The topic of our Dhamma this evening is uh, uh, a mindful contemplation of feelings, Vedana in the Pali scriptural language, Vedana Satipatthana more precisely in the Pali scriptural language. The intention of Satna this talk is Satna to support you in your meditation practice as much as possible, namely and to provide you with all the necessary information to deal with feelings when they occur during this retreat. Now, do feelings occur only occasionally, or do they occur quite frequently? What would you say? Frequently. They occur with each and every moment of consciousness, which means mm, until the end of Fatna, this retreat, we will have ample opportunities mm, to take a closer look at feelings. Now, the, the idea is that when a feeling on occasion becomes really predominant, become, naturally becomes the focus of your attention, that, that then you know what to do. Now, by the term feeling, do we mean things like uh, emotions by this? Like emotions of great joy, misery? Would you say so? Nope, this is correct. So, the Buddha's definition of fatna feelings is quite different from the modern term uh, emotion as fatna used in modern uh, psychology and certain general language. When it comes to an emotion from a Buddhist Abhidhamma point of view, this appears to be uh, well, a combination of fatna, various fatna mental factors. Now, how many feelings are there? One, two, three. Three, um, that's one answer. Another possible answer is six. six. What about nine? There are many more. So, various classifications of fatna feelings are there. The most simple one is indeed, as Pari has said, in terms of three. And those are three are? There you go, that's great. So pleasant, unpleasant, and certain neutral feelings. However, as we shall see in the course of Fatna, this discourse, there are also other sets of Fatna feelings, especially those unworldly feelings. But uh, there's still other things that we need to explore together before we get there. So, today, or, or throughout the day, did you come across some feeling 
And if so, uh, what was the feeling like? What was the context like? So you've been meditating for hours and hours and hours, sitting, walking, eating, taking a drink. Did you come across a single feeling? <laughs> Do remember, <laughs> theoretically speaking, feelings arise with every moment of consciousness. So, Yes, Chris? Lunch was pleasant. <laughs> ah, lunch was pleasant. What was so pleasant about lunch? Uh, the, the, taste, uh, yeah, the taste of the food. Ah, many different parts. Uh, did you have uh, specific dishes in mind or all? I particularly remember the sweetness of the salad. Ah, the sweetness of the salad and that then giving rise certainly to a pleasant feeling. Yes, indeed. Anyone else? I would join the, the club and would certainly say yes, indeed. Uh, all the different certain dishes certainly today went along with a pleasant feeling. Now, what about an unpleasant feeling? Have you come across an unpleasant feeling throughout the day? Yes, Deborah? Certain thoughts have been unpleasant. Ah, certain thoughts have been unpleasant. Yes. Okay. And when? Certain feelings in the body. Ah, certain feelings in the body. So you mean certain sensations in the body? in the body. There you go. And Satna, then what about Satna, that neutral feeling? Neither unpleasant nor pleasant feeling. Did any one of you notice that in the course of the day? Yes? Uh, Brother Tree? I love the rain, but I'm <laughs> tired of it at times. Ah. And I know that we need it, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sunshine would be nice. So it's a little bit of, uh, I'm a little bit ambivalent about the rain. So at times uh, no, no, you like, and there's a pleasant feeling that goes along with it. At times, uh, unpleasant feeling. Unpleasant feeling. Uh, and, and, and so it, I guess I combine them and it's, like, uh -huh. okay, it just is. Ah, and at that point, certainly, possibly a neutral feeling prevailed. Yes, okay, very good. So, now, let us see what certainly the texts provide in terms of uh, um, material regarding feelings. For one thing, we have a passage from the Majjhimanikaya, namely the middle-length discourses, a passage you know, that, uh, uh, that captures a conversation between the nun Dhammadena and Wisaka, uh, uh, and that very famous certain lady. You know, she was a great uh, benefactress and on many occasions you know, supported the Buddha and his many disciples. So, Dhammadena. 
or, or you know, the manufacturers of Nuisaka had posed a number of questions to Damadena, especially around certain feelings, and so the venerable Damadena, then Sister Damadena, replies, Friend Wisaka, whatever is felt bodily or mentally as pleasant and soothing is pleasant feeling. It's a very simple, straightforward definition. Whatever is felt bodily and mentally as painful and hurting is unpleasant feeling. There you go. And whatever is felt bodily and mentally as neither soothing nor hurting is neither painful nor pleasant feeling. The Pali terms for uh, these three kinds of feelings are Nsukha Nawedana, Dukkha Nawedana, and Adukha Masukha Nawedana. Now, it's important that we have a right understanding of what is meant by feeling and certainly in this certain regard let us certainly hear what certainly the Abhidhamma especially the Visuddhi Magga has to say has to offer in terms of a definition also feeling is basically the effective mode of an experience could be bodily, could be mental. It's also referred to as certain the feeling tone of an experience. Now, the characteristic of a, a feeling as a mental factor is of being felt Vedaita in the Pali scriptural language. Its function is experiencing or its function is to enjoy the desirable aspect of the object. Its manifestation is the relishing of the associated mental factors. Its proximate cause is given as tranquility. Now, in the case of other mental factors, they experience an object, especially the feeling tone of an object, only in a derivative manner, whereas uh, the mental factor of feeling experiences it's directly and fully. Now, the texts offer a comparison in this regard, or a simile, namely that of a cook and a king. And a cook or chef gets to taste the food only to a limited extent, 
namely by sampling the various dishes to make sure that the taste certainly comes out all right. Whereas the king or a queen gets to relish the entire meal. Now, the Satipatthana Sutta of the Majjhimanikai, as well as of the, uh, the Ma Satipatthana Sutta of the Diga Nikaya, give us uh, the following instructions in regard to a mindful contemplation of feelings. And uh, there it certainly says, when feeling a pleasant feeling, one knows I feel a pleasant feeling. When feeling an unpleasant feeling, one knows I feel an unpleasant feeling. When feeling a neutral feeling, one knows I feel a neutral feeling. When feeling a worldly pleasant feeling, one knows I feel a worldly pleasant feeling. When feeling an unworldly pleasant feeling, one knows I feel an unworldly pleasant feeling. So what we have here is a division of feelings into two categories, namely of worldly feelings, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, and certainly then unworldly, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral feelings. So the remaining instructions then are when feeling a worldly, unpleasant feeling, one knows I feel a worldly, unpleasant feeling. When feeling an unworldly, unpleasant feeling, one knows I feel an unworldly, unpleasant feeling. And finally, when feeling uh, a worldly, neutral feeling, one knows I feel a worldly, neutral feeling. And when feeling an unworldly, neutral feeling, one knows I feel an unworldly, neutral feeling. So those are your you know, basic instructions. Now, when it comes to this division between worldly and unworldly, then the worldly pleasant feelings are those that are related to the six sense pleasures, whereas their unworldly counterparts are those related to renunciation. And here, you know, renunciation meaning you know, or including you know, things, you know, including feedings that occur you know, during one's uh, uh, samatha meditation, so when one you know, develops certain absorptions or you know, jhanas, as well as you know, during um, you know, certain parts of you know, the vipassana uh, practice.
unworldly, pleasant or neutral feelings arise during deep concentration or unworldly, unpleasant feelings owing to dissatisfaction with one's spiritual imperfection. And both of those do, or all of those, do not stimulate the, uh, the underlying tendencies. Sarata Pakasini, which is certainly the commentary to the Samyutta Nikaya, then explains the difference between uh, worldly and unworldly in the following terms. It says, a worldly pleasant feeling is a feeling connected with worldly sensuality, whereas an unworldly or spiritual niramisa and pani pleasant feeling is the feeling arisen in the first jhana or by way of insight or by way of recollection of fatna, the one or the other virtue of the Buddha. A worldly painful feeling is the worldly feeling arisen through worldly sensuality. A unworldly painful feeling is a feeling of displeasure arisen through yearning for the unsurpassed deliverance. <coughs> Maybe to give you an example for you know, this last point. A retreatant is practicing very hard uh, for days, for weeks, certainly for months, and is very eager to realize Satna the Dhamma. However, it's not happening as yet. And that situation then might lead to the arising of an unworldly, unpleasant feeling. <coughs> However, as you can see, there is a big difference between such an unworldly, unpleasant feeling and a worldly, unpleasant feeling. A worldly, neutral feeling is a worldly feeling arisen through worldly sensuality, whereas an unworldly, neutral feeling is certainly the neutral feeling arisen by way of the fourth jhana. And this explanation is taken from notes or a footnote and given by Venerable Bhikkhu Nabodhi in his Satna translation of the Samyutta Nikaya. And this is extremely helpful. Now, to also give a direct example for an unworldly pleasant feeling. A retreatant might certainly experience 
mental states certain such as illumination, such as a keen, unerring wisdom, joy, tranquility, happiness, and certain then uh, faith, much energy, etc. Now, when these mental states arise, they usually go along with an uh, uh, an unworldly pleasant feeling as long as one is not attached to them as long as one is not uh, developing pride based on them uh, nor um, holding on to a wrong view Now, the, one of the reasons why the Buddha included feelings as certain one of certain of the establishments of certain mindfulness is that certain feelings play an important role. If one is unattentive of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral feelings, then what might happen? Based on a... Pardon me? Attachment. Based on a pleasant feeling, attachment is... Uh, uh, can arise. Attachment, liking, yes. Based on an unpleasant feeling, what can arise? Aversion, disliking, yes, correct. And uh, based on a neutral feeling, um, in the absence of mindfulness, what is likely to arise? Ignorance. Ignorance, that's correct. And certain, if one is certain, not certain, careful, then those certain three forms of feelings, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, can activate the underlying tendencies of greed, of hatred, and delusion. And the arising of each of each and every one of those will have, uh, in the absence of mindfulness, even further uh, consequences. Now, there's another uh, reason why the Buddha might have or might have included feelings in you know, the four establishments of Fatnet mindfulness, namely, based on feeling, based on, on a feeling, craving tends to arise. Especially based on a pleasant feeling, there will be craving for more of the experience that goes along with a pleasant feeling. And that then sets in motion the cycle of, or this 
process of dependent origination, one factor leading on to the next. Now, allow me to give you the Visuddhimagga yeah, definition of both and a pleasant feeling regarding the body as well as a pleasant that a mentally unpleasant feeling. And then we'll do the same thing also for unpleasant feelings and neutral feelings. And certainly with this, yeah, then um, the differences between the three yeah, should become uh, more obvious. So in the case of a pleasant feeling regarding the body, regarding you know, to some bodily sensation, some bodily experience. So it could be an, an, an experience of, uh, of chills, of thrills, of smoothness, of softness, of um, tenderness, etc. So it has the characteristic of experiencing a desirable, tangible um, datum or uh, object. Its function is certainly to intensify the associated mental states. And it is manifested as bodily enjoyment and its proximate cause is the body faculty. Now, when it comes to pleasant feelings, they arise not only with regard to bodily experiences, but yeah, they also arise with regard to mental experiences. So it could be you know, you know, the experience of a particular mental state, as mentioned, tranquility, happiness, and certain and so on. And or it you know, could be with regard to maybe some you know, pleasant some memory coming up in the mind. So mentally pleasant feeling has the characteristic of experiencing a desirable object. Its <coughs> function is to relish in one way or another the, the desirable aspect. It is manifested as mental enjoyment. Early on it was uh, bodily <coughs> enjoyment, now it's mental enjoyment. Its proximate cause is tranquility. <coughs> now, To help understand the nature of certain feelings, the Buddha has certainly designed or um, come up with a number of helpful similes. The Samyutta Nikaya, in its fourth volume, section 218, speaks of certain feelings as certain being like winds in the sky that move in many directions. 
uh, or one could say feelings are like clouds suddenly in the sky that get uh, moved around uh, by uh, the wind. Which highlights suddenly uh, the fact that our experiences, let's say if we have a pleasant experience for you know, the time being, this is likely not to last you know, for you know, too long, and suddenly that pleasantness might soon turn <coughs> into a neutral feeling or into an unpleasant feeling. Another example for or simile for the nature of feelings is that of various types of visitors that come to a guest house from uh, any of the four directions. So in the course of a day we have a great certain number of different experiences seeing processes going on, hearing processes, smelling, tasting, touching and knowing processes going on and each and every one of those will be accompanied by a feeling and certainness in other words we will be affected by various feelings all the time. <coughs> because feelings may change sometimes slowly, sometimes suddenly, very quickly, feelings have been compared to bubbles on the surface of water during rain. Namely, they form and they pop. Feelings have also been described by the Buddha as being void, as being hollow, as being insubstantial. Now, This, of course, is or may sound somewhat challenging to those people who give much attention to their gut feelings. Those who take decisions based on the prevalent feeling. So if it's a prevalent feeling, let's say, in the gut, then we'll do whatever we intend to do. But if it's an unpleasant feeling, we'll not suddenly follow it. Now, a careful contemplation of those feelings might certainly quickly show us that they are not that reliable and they can easily change from one feeling to the next. Holding on to a feeling and especially identifying with a feeling such as this pleasant feeling makes up myself, 
my being, my personality, etc. That uh, is a rather uh, tricky thing, a rather unreliable thing. <coughs> so, sorry. The feelings, the Samyutta Nikaya in its second volume, section 38, uh, states are the product of uh, different conditions. Now, what do you think? Do several, the three feelings, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral feelings, do they occur all at the same time? Would you agree to this statement? They do not. So then what do they do? One after the other. Ah, one after the other. That's it. So it's one feeling at a time and not two or three at the same time. And certainly this certain is this understanding is based on a passage you know, that can be found in the second volume of the Diganikaya, section sixty-six, where it says when a pleasant feeling is felt, no painful or neutral feeling is felt, but only pleasant feeling. When a painful feeling is felt, no pleasant or neutral feeling is felt, but only a painful feeling. And when a neutral feeling is felt, no pleasant or painful feeling is felt, but only and neutral feeling. Now, would it be correct, certain to say that with regard to one and the same object, we will always, a group of people will always have the same feeling occurring? Would you say that? not. So this is certainly correct. One of the same object may elicit different certain feelings in different people. Now, feelings are relative yet in another way. Let's say, at the outset of the practice, we come across suddenly some um, stinging pain in the knee. And so, so we observe this certain pain, and we notice an unpleasant feeling that is associated with the pain. And that's not difficult to see. However, as our meditation proceeds, and let us assume the stinging pain is somewhat chronic in nature, so later on that stinging pain is still there, however our mind has undergone uh, a transformation, has matured. And at that point it could certainly very well be that our relationship to the pain has changed and we see 
a pain as simply just another sensation or another object and in this case the stinging pain might well be accompanied by a neutral feeling or it could be from experience we know that working with the pain helps to concentrate the mind if earlier on plenty of pains have been there, we've worked with those pains, the mind has become very sharp, and then after a while all the pains subside and more pleasant experiences then come along. However, the mind becomes a little bit uh, uh, inactive. At such a point, we might even be wishing for that stinging pain to return. And when it does return, it might very well be accompanied by a pleasant feeling because we um, uh, even uh, invited to be or we wanted to be uh, there. So with regard to one more or less one of the same object mm, and different feelings might suddenly come up. <coughs> Maybe to add a little bit to what was said earlier on, this distinction between worldly and unworldly feelings. This distinction is really important and it goes back to which experience? Does anyone of you know? The distinction between worldly and unworldly feelings goes back to which experience of the Buddha? At some point, the Buddha realized that not all feelings are uh, condemnable, but there are you know, certain experiences uh, that. Uh, um, go along with the pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral feeling that are not necessarily unwholesome. And this understanding came when the Buddha realized, or the Buddha to be at the time, when he uh, realized or remembered the pleasant feeling that occurred when he was sitting under a rose apple tree in his home or in Kapila Watu, so close to his home. And he was sitting there and meditating and experiencing the first jhana. And this was accompanied by a pleasant feeling. And so the Buddha realized there's nothing wrong with that. That does that kind of a feeling does not necessarily induce uh, uh, or trigger the arising of uh, greed, of craving, and so on. So based on what has been said so far, would you say that feelings are rather permanent in nature or rather impermanent in nature? Impermanent. Yes, that's correct. 
and so would you say that feelings are always conducive to happiness that they're always pleasurable not that either so we have pleasant unpleasant neutral feelings and when our practice gets quite sapna deep there comes a point where any kind of experience is uh, experienced as unsatisfactory so the dukkha aspect of the universal characteristics becomes predominant based on what has been said so far would it be a good idea to identify oneself with feelings saying uh, the feelings that i have those make up me my personality my being also a yes or no it's a bad idea <laughs> exactly now if one were let us play with this a little bit if one were to identify with one's feelings pleasant unpleasant neutral you know then as they keep changing so quickly one you know, will uh, be badly affected all of times there's a pleasant sense or a pleasantness you know, that goes along with the sense of self at other times an unpleasantness at other times it's neutral and then the question might arise well uh, what is permanent here so clearly we there the feelings cannot and should not be ident or one should not identify with feelings one should not um, place one's or connect one's sense of self of a being of a person of a man or a woman with one's certain feelings and in the course of practice we will then discover the true nature of certain feelings now not to identify with feelings is easy to say but let's wait for the next couple of interviews yeah <laughs> <laughs> then there will be so many instances of fatna yogis reporting and a certain identification with this or that object and identification with the corresponding feelings Now, quite inspiring is uh, uh, the Diganaka Sutta of the Majjhima Nikaya, first volume, section you know, 500 and uh, other, other passages, that uh, then describes the wonder 
Diganaka, approaching the Buddha, listening to the Buddha's advice. The Buddha is giving Diganaka uh, plenty of useful advice. And we have Elder Sariputta standing behind the Buddha and fanning him. And so in the course of explaining the Dhamma to the wanderer Diganaka, the Buddha speaks of the contemplation of feelings. Seeing feelings as impermanent, understanding them to be unsatisfactory, understanding them to be non-self, and gradually becoming uh, disenchanted with, with feelings, becoming dispassionate with feelings, and eventually then um, uh, seeking liberation from those feelings. And it is in the course of the Buddha explaining about the nature of feelings that the wanderer Diganaka Diganaka became a stream enterer. And what do you think happened to Sariputta? That's when he became an arahant. That's when he became an arahant. That's correct. And so this particular passage then shows us the potential of the contemplation of feelings. So if well undertaken, then this contemplation by itself or in combination, let's say you know, by itself, can carry a retreat and you know, to ultimately to the realization of arahantship. And that is not certainly little in terms of an achievement. Now, in this regard, what about the contemplation of the body? Does that lead only to the realization of stream entry? Is there a limitation there? There's no limitation. There's no limitation there either. So even this simple, relatively simple contemplation of bodily formations of the rising, falling movement of the abdomen, pains and aches and heat and cold and various movements and so on and so forth, even this carries the potential of leading a retreat and all the way to the realization of arahantship. So on occasion, try to keep this in mind. Now, once a person has become an arahant, what do you think you know, is his or her relationship with regard to feelings? When a pleasant feeling comes up, the arahant smiles. When an unpleasant feeling comes along, you know, the arahant feels miserable. <laughs> yes, isn't like that? Would you say so? Not at all. I never get a yes out of you. 
But no wonder the questions are <laughs> put in a certain way. So, a person who has, over a long period of time, and profoundly contemplated the nature of feelings, has seen their uh, insubstantial nature, their impermanent nature, unsatisfactory nature, a person, such a person, you know, will no longer you know, be attached to feelings, but rather you know, have a, or take a detached attitude towards feelings. Now, sometimes retreatants are under you know, the impression that with the attainment of arahanship comes a total eradication of feelings from the state of mind. Would you agree to this? That again, this is a no. So feelings remain, feeling is a mental factor, and that mental factor, it's one of the seven universals, and it will persist, it will continue to do its sudden work of, uh, uh, of well, perceiving the different sudden feelings. However, the relationship you know, to feelings that Satna changes profoundly. Now, in the case of an Arahant, even though a pleasant feeling comes along, yet there is no triggering or activating of the underlying tendency you know, to greed or craving. In the case of an unpleasant feeling, again, you know, this is not going to trigger you know, the arising of ill will, aversion or hatred. And the same thing goes for neutral feelings. So whatever the feeling tone might be, no, neither greed nor hatred nor delusion will be activated. And the reason for this is very simple, because greed, hatred and delusion are still present. They are no longer present. They are already eradicated at that point. And so what has, in terms of mental factors, what, what has already been eradicated cannot be uh, recreated, that what is gone is gone. Now, what does Satna, this contemplation, mindful contemplation of feelings, what does this mean or could this mean you know, to us as certain retreatants here on retreat in the Tao Ski Valley. You could sit at times walking down one of you know, the hallways in the main building or walking here from the main building over to the dining hall and kitchen, check 
which feelings come up. And so are you always experiencing pleasant feelings or are you always experiencing unpleasant feelings or neutral feelings or a sequence of those. Namely, in regard to the temperature that might prevail. So if it's cold, what's the feeling that the feeling tone that goes along with that? Um, what's the feeling tone that gets uh, elicited you know, through the smoothness of the carpet, smoothness, softness of it? What happens, what kind of feeding tone gets triggered by crossing you know, the courtyard and, uh, and then having to deal with the roughness, the unevenness of the ground in some places? Or another wonderful way of exploring feelings is you know, while um, uh, eating a meal, be it breakfast, be it lunch. And so what are the different feelings that come up for you when eating this dish, another dish, another dish, and so on. And so let's say you know, you're eating a, a dish of food and you're liking, it goes along with a pleasant feeling. As you keep chewing and chewing, does that pleasant feeling persist forever or not? Now, what about the feeling tone when brushing your teeth? What about Satna, the feeling tone uh, when you wake up in the morning, first thing in the morning? Do you start with a pleasant feeling? Do you start with an unpleasant feeling or a neutral feeling? So there's much to be explored there. Now, allow me to take this topic just a little bit further to include um, the unpleasant feelings and the neutral feelings we'll have to keep for you know, some other time. Now, the definition of a bodily unpleasant feeling according to the Visuddhimagga is as follows, namely it has the characteristic of experiencing an undesirable tangible object. So an undesirable tangible bodily uh, object. The function of an unpleasant feeling is to wither the associated states of mind, so causing them to weaken. In this case, just to think of mm, contemplating or, or being mindful of a strong pain. And first, uh, maybe there's still you know, some neutral feeling present, but uh, when you know, the uh, pain lasts over a longer period of time, it's rather strong, you know, then it will be accompanied by an unpleasant feeling and that will you know, kind of uh, weaken the associated mental states. So it will lead to, to a withering, a weakening of 
yeah, the mindfulness of uh, the effort of concentration and so on and bodily unpleasant feeling manifests as bodily affliction and its proximate cause is also the body faculty now in the case of a mentally unpleasant feeling this has the characteristic of experiencing an undesirable object not necessarily limited to only bodily objects the function of partaking of the undesirable aspect of the object so of experiencing that object and the manifestation is as mental affliction and its proximate cause is given as the heart base now in terms of Fatner the consequences of the arising of an unpleasant feeling there is more to it than we've explored so far an unpleasant feeling may activate the latent tendency to well anger aversion etc including fear and our ordinary reaction in the absence of mindfulness might be that we try to or that we attempt to repress such an unpleasant feeling so that's one possibility and um, in the case of an unpleasant feeling it may again in the absence of mindfulness activate the latent tendency to seek sensual gratification now what does this mean so there's an unpleasant experience around that goes along with an unpleasant feeling tone and without mindfulness one's likely to seek an escape uh, such as a pleasant indulgence of some sort Ah, some, ah, there you go. Some ice cream or something. So, dashing towards the fridge and helping oneself to a scoop of ice cream or two or three. So, and so we don't want to face suddenly unpleasant feeling and instead want to get away from it once that we crave for them for something pleasant and hence uh, and then uh, the dash to the fridge now there's yet another potential reaction towards unpleasant feelings namely those might suddenly trigger the tendency to then uh, change one's posture 
And so if one happens to be sitting in meditation, some, un some strong pain is there for five minutes, ten minutes for the entire session. The pain is accompanied by an unclearly unpleasant feeling, strong uh, unpleasant feeling. And then you know, sooner or later one cannot take it anymore. And at that certain point, you know, then you know, maybe quite impulsively, one changes one's posture as another way of getting rid of you know, that unpleasant feeling. Now, from a meditation point of view, do we want to do this all the time? Every time an unpleasant feeling comes along? Not really. Not really. If we keep changing our posture within one sitting session, five times, ten times, then what happens? Nothing happens. The mind, get distracted. The mind will get distracted and it will be difficult for concentration to arise and to grow. So rather than going for those consequences as outlined, what we do need around unpleasant bodily as well as certain mental feelings is a non-reactive observation of them, not identifying with them, not taking them personally uh, or getting entangled in them. So unpleasant feelings are just objects of observation, just like any other object. Now, the Sala Sukra, uh, sorry, the Sala Sutta of Fatna, the fourth volume of the Samyutanikaya, near section 208, provides us you know, still with some further insight in regard certain, to you know, feelings, unpleasant feelings. So, for one thing, in the in the case of an uninstructed worldling contacted by a painful bodily feeling, so in the absence of footnote mindfulness, this, as we have seen, will lead to the arising of aversion. Now, as we have also seen, such an unpleasant feeling may trigger two feelings or, or may cause a person to feel two feelings, namely the bodily unpleasant the bodily uh, unpleasant feeling as well as a mentally unpleasant feeling that goes along uh, with uh, you know, the aversion, or you know, that might also you know, go along you know, with essential pleasure. As we've seen, an unpleasant feeling in the absence of mindfulness may trigger you know, the arising of ignorance. So rather than acting like this, 
we try in in the case of the arising of an unpleasant feeling we try to be mindful of it and not allow aversion to arise in the case of an unpleasant feeling again we try not to seek delight in sensual pleasures and lust so as much as possible we try to observe unpleasant feelings as they come up with uh, as much detachment as possible now unpleasant feelings especially when they occur around the major you know, stations in our you know, human existence you know, such as let's say aging disease and death may lead certain to uh, some strong uh, the arising of some strong uh, mental uh, states or mental conditions so if you think of you know, the passing away the loss of some kin of some near or dear person then this will go along with an unpleasant feeling and that might lead a person to do what who knows someone who is not uh, no. there you go that's it to shed tears and uh, more than that to lament uh, to sorrow and to beat as the Buddha says uh, to beat one's breast and becoming distraught uh, with uh, the loss of the person so and now this then has implications for uh, funerals has certain implications for how to deal uh, with uh, the relatives and so on now as you will surely know now different cultures have different perceptions around uh, funerals and certainly there are certain cultures where this weeping and lamenting is strongly encouraged have any of you been to India or Nepal yes have you ever come across a funeral there <coughs> by coincidence um, burning a body in a gun yeah <coughs> right and that's it sometimes what happens the families will even hire someone to weep to keep keep crying loudly and certainly to and that is certainly to encourage the family members to show their great sadness over the loss of the deceased person now in Buddhist circles is that what is being practiced <coughs> what would you say? 
in Thailand? No. Not? Not at all. So the ideal there is simply to acknowledge the fact of the loss of a near or dear person and to be mindful of one's certain feelings and not um, let oneself go into these states of great sorrow and lamentation and so on. Now, when we get sick, for instance, we come down with a flu, and suddenly there is a lot of sneezing and coughing, and it's rather unpleasant, it's painful and unpleasant, then we should keep the Buddha's advice, the following advice in mind. You should train yourself thus, even though I am afflicted in body, my mind will be unafflicted. And that's a neat, certain way of uh, approaching bodily uh, diseases. Now, with regard to Dukkha weirdness or unpleasant feeling, there is a verse given in the Samyutta Nikaya, the 36th certain collection, in the Discourse 3, that says when one experiences pain, if one does not understand unpleasant feeling, the tendency to aversion is present. For one not seeing the escape from it. Now, various causes have been singled out by the Buddha himself for the arising of unpleasant feelings, and some are of the opinion that the entirety of our unpleasant feelings are due to past unskillful actions. So every single unpleasant feeling is because every single unpleasant feeling that comes up in your meditation practice is caused by some unwholesome deeds in the past. Would that be correct to say that statement? It's incorrect. And so unpleasant feelings may arise not only because of karmic reactions or consequences, but rather also, as the Buddha points out, owing to disorders of the bile, of flame, of the wind, and imbalance of the bodily humors. Unpleasant feelings might also occur owing to a change of climate, or careless behavior, or violence. 
in the course of the meditation practice. It is quite interesting to see from a teacher's perspective how similar experiences occur at certain certain points across, let's say, a group of retreatants. And so there are certain phases in the meditation practice where pleasant feelings tend to be predominant. There are other phases in the practice where unpleasant feelings are predominant, especially when you think of the hindrances. And then there are phases uh, where neutral feelings are uh, predominant. So whatever it might be, be it a pleasant feeling, an unpleasant feeling, or a neutral feeling, our task as certain retreatants is you know, to label them, to observe them in a calm, detached manner, not identifying with them and uh, knowing their nature, also not uh, uh, reacting to those feelings. And may this contemplation of certain feelings leads uh, all of us you know, to at least the realization of Fatna, the path of stream entry, which takes uh, Nibbana as an object, and uh, ideally one day, whether in this existence or some future existence, to the realization of Arhanship. And this is it for now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.